From Rivers Barden Architects, this is Spork in the Road, a podcast featuring conversations with creative individuals about their path, craft, and passions. In this episode, our resident architects Joe Rivers and Kevin Barden visit with Seth Dalton, a printmaker from Georgetown, Texas. Traveling makes you kind of be hyper aware. So like scrambling down the street, trying to find, you know, where's the bathroom or where should I eat? Where like, it's it's just kind of an investiga- investigatory process that I think it informs what I do in the studio. Like I'm constantly trying to keep myself on my toes because I think uh, interesting and unexpected things can happen. It's a little bit more exciting than something that's planned out to a T. Seth Dalton is an artist who has worked in printmaking for nearly a decade. He has spent much of that time learning and developing his craft in academic settings, now as an instructor himself. Joe and Kevin sat down with Seth to discuss his process of creating, his approach to teaching, and how place, history, and structure inhabit his work. Here's Joe, followed by Seth. As you you start a a piece, I mean, do you... Do you always kind of come in with a certain mentality or a certain sense or an idea, or is it just you force yourself at 8 a.m. every day to wake up and do something, or what's your process? Um, It's usually just kind of starting with an image that I've I've photographed or something and putting that... putting that on a stone or transferring it to a stone and just getting started with that and just printing that and then I'll just I'll start with that image and then think about possibilities of layering like how can I take this out of context or fragment this or just print a section a section of it and then uh, uh, take it to another place like uh, put, put another color on top of it um, recontextualize it change it completely or kind of recombine it with something else so it's really just kind of using something as a jumping off point and then seeing what happens when it's translated to paper because it's always different in my head like well, in actual like it's different in my head from when the actual finished product sure so it's not necessarily like a to b to c it's kind of like i'll start with a and then i'll combine it with step d and then i'll go back to b and it's just kind of going back and forth and then like usually I'll the finishing touch is like sometimes I'll I'll put the print up and then I use I like to use projectors and tracing mm-hmm. with images that I've done so that'll also be a response after the fact so it's kind of like usually I'll go back and like put some sort of like graphite addition on top because I like graphite it's kind of has a has a silvery translucent yeah. quality to it and it's kind of um, it's one way and then another way when it's hit with light mm-hmm. um, yeah maybe uh Maybe that's a good window into why why do you do what you do, the, the kind of the big the big questions. Sure, my 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 work's a lot about kind of my response to st- structures and physical spaces that I inhabit, and it, a lot of it too is about I like to use places that I personally experience, whether it's something that's more mundane. Like I've been drawn recently to uh, these structures that are kind of prevent debris from getting into the water supply and you'll find oh, right. them like off the road off of like one in georgetown's by a walgreens pharmacy and it has like these really elemental kind of zigzag structure of concrete that's supposed to filter the water down but they, they remind me of these ancient kind of aztec or incan ruins when taken out of context it just has this kind of uh, powerful uh, there's more gravity to it yeah in a certain yeah way. like yeah and i don't know like the work I make is kind of a response to that and how can I use this process of printmaking that's very hands-on of 
you know, I'm going to start with this thing and you have to make the ink, you have to use the rollers, you have to do all these, the, these hands-on things to actually f make the final product. And my, my work's pretty intuitive. It's a lot about layering and see what happens, seeing what happens when I, when I put this on that and it's not mm. necessarily planned. So it's kind of an, an organic process and I'm not, I'm more interested in making one of a kind, like, like ex explorations that are just kind of singular rather than a, in, in a multiple format, like with printmaking, you can do make multiple originals. Yep. Uh, I'm more interested in just making the, the kind of the, the, the succinct singular idea. Right. Um, so take a, let's take a step way back. And uh, so where are you from originally? Where'd you grow up? Uh, I was born in Denver, Colorado. I'm, we, I moved whenever I was uh, when I was really really little, and then uh, I grew up mostly in Texas. Uh, we I grew up around the woodlands, um, okay. and then we moved from there to Dallas, and then from Dallas we moved to uh, to overseas to Aberdeen, Scotland, on the northeast wow. coast. A, a life that's full of kind of different moves and different experiences taught me that you know there is a world outside of America that's you know it's a burgeoning culture and it's a lot older than where we live and it, it's like a lot of interesting things and I went to castles and ruins like I walked on Hadrian's wall and saw all these castles so like and I was old enough to remember all those things so that that experience really kind of made an impression on me mm -hmm. and you know I didn't realize it until I went back to Venice and Italy and I got to travel around and see all those things again and it, how, how much of it made an impression on me. Something that I kind of uh, latched onto in grad school was how traveling and being able to take that trip while I was doing research in grad school, uh, how traveling makes you kind of um, be hyper aware and aware of your surroundings and you don't really know, you're not used to where you are and you don't know where things are. So right. like scrambling down the street, trying to find, you know, where's the bathroom, where, where should I eat? Where like, it's, it's just kind of an investiga investigatory process that I think it informs what I do in the studio. Like I'm constantly trying to keep myself on my toes. Mm -hmm. um, How to bring that mindset into your own yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. so, cause I think uh, interesting and unexpected things can happen. It's a little bit more exciting than something that's planned out to a T. So kind of being loose with the process. But yeah, they're all they're all built on these personal experiences, and I I like to create an archive that I can draw from. So it's an attempt to kind of bridge these gaps between locations in the world and trying to find some linkage between them. And a lot of that is like clarity of of structure, clarity mm -hmm. of of form making. Or, yeah, and yeah. They're, like these places are they're so much has gone on especially right. you know in these ancient cities and they're all kind mm -hmm. of uh they harken back to another time and that's something that i'm drawn to like a place that has a certain history and it's like people have dwelt there and they've had these experiences and i've had this experience there too and how can i relate to that and create something that causes people to reflect back on something that that they've experienced so it's trying to touch this kind of universal connection that we ha that we all have to structure sure um where we spend most of our lives you know I think that, I mean, that resonates a lot with, with me as an architect is because uh, form is repetitive to a certain extent. It's all been... It's all been explored at some point. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very uh, regenerative is, is a better word. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's amazing how it regenerates and reiterates itself over the time and over cultures into different, into different functions and applications, but mm -hmm. there's still this... Uh, this uh, Connective tissue. Yeah, the synchronicity of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, you know, I try to investigate, you know, why necessarily I'm drawn to these kind of these places. It's just you just I, when when I when I when I visit them and when I'm there, I just kind of yeah, it just has a certain aura, just as as a certain feel to it.
I'm, I'm working with students at Southwestern University. I, I teach a class on Fridays called Exhibition Practicum, where I go over you know what it means to be professional as an artist, like how to how to how to photograph your work, how to hang exhibitions. They help me with the exhibitions on campus, and uh, we have fun. It's pretty laid back, um, but it's it's good. It's it, it the, the the cool thing about my job is I have access to a print shop that's basically oh, that's nice. free, because right. uh, printmaking so reliant on a press. You have to have that to make your work. It's so. like your own studio almost. Pretty much. Yeah. So that's nice. I work there. I work at home a little bit. So I was, I'm able to get some work done. Uh, you know, it's, uh, academia and education is a good place to be because you have access to those materials and facilities. But you're also kind of, I like the, the mission aspect of giving back to students and, right, right. and helping them. What's yeah. so, is there one big kind of key lesson that you're really trying to focus in on? I know every student has their own opportunities and, and challenges, but do you kind of find yourself going back to one or two two key things you re- you really want the students to understand i think it's just you know being being fearless about what you believe in and what well, what you're there for just trying to showing them you know try to be as prepared as possible and just kind of go into situations where you're, you're following your heart and you're pursuing what you want to pursue without approaching it like 50 50 like go all in and just kind of be fearless and and t- tackle what you want to tackle mm-hmm. and uh Man, that's good advice for anything. Yeah, yeah and just you know, try to I try to equip them with as much as I can, you know, and try try to give them as many resources as possible. Books like, hey, look at all these these resources that you can use to better your uh, better your station when you get out of school because it's so hard as an artist because it's just you. You don't yeah. have like a team of people that are helping you promote yourself and like have your website and maintain it and photograph your work and also make the work. It's just a very, <laughs> it's a full-time job just being an artist. It, it, it's, it's easy to think like, oh, I'll have these resources forever when I get out sure. of school. Like, oh, I'll have all these power tools and I'll have all this stuff. But then the, the rude awakening when you get out of school is, oh, crap, I don't have all this, mm-hmm. these resources and people to look at my work and, and help me. So Right. It's, it's, it's easy. I have a creative idea. I can just run down to the, the shop down here and knock it out or at least rough it out. And suddenly you're sitting in your apartment and yeah yeah and i I try to remind them that too like they're very lucky to have these resources and to have the instruction that they have and be around these people that your colleagues and also your faculty to help you develop your work and you know give you feedback and it's 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 a they're kind of cradled a little bit you know sure in that environment which is good like we need to be there but also trying to prepare them for that next step after school like hey when you get out of school you know you may not you're not going to have this support structure so you have to either find a way to build that community for yourself or just take notes and be prepared for that next step right I i think that's something kevin and i kind of talked about is once you leave school is is that support structure and that the challenging of your professors and your peers talking about your project talking about your work talking about what's going on and how you can improve it and uh so it's not only producing out of school, but it's also really challenging your own uh, preconceptions. And, you know, you do something you think it's good, and then no one challenges your ideas. Right. It's, it's, it's just more difficult to grow. Yeah. To, you know? Yeah, absolutely. What is, what is that trajectory then without, without a sounding board? Yeah, we're we're just doing this reading of. Um, do you know Aldo Rossi? Uh, yeah, I think I'm familiar with him. He uh, is this Italian architect. Mm-hmm. He's really interested. For me, my interpretation is that he's really interested in ruins, as well. And a lot of it uh, deals with um, the potential of what something was, mm-hmm. and also the potential of what something could be. 
Mm-hmm. Was that there's like a quote? Just I'll just read this real quick. Yeah, rationalism is necessary, like order, but whatever the order, it can be upset by the external factors of another order, whether historical, geological, psychological, um, you know, these things of memory, history, uh, process. Um, I feel like embedded within those uh, process or the, these different ordering systems is this thing that you know, is trying to be made clear or shine mm-hmm. in a different light or perspective. Yeah. And I feel like the process of printmaking is another iteration of that yeah. itself. It is the physical process of layering, mm-hmm. you know? Go ahead, Joe. Oh, just one of the words that he uses in, in that particular reading is the word fragment when talking about these other yes. things. And yeah. I, and it's interesting because as soon as you brought it back to printmaking, like it's because printmaking is really about learning these fragments together. Yep. And that's yeah. a lot of what he talks about is, is what the fragments were and how they can be reconstructed together and what they mean. Right. Right. And like, yeah, I think that's just something that totally uh, relates to my process. Like I, I don't go into what I make, like this goes here, this goes there. Right. It's more of like a kind of a, a puzzle piece process of I have these elements that I've experienced and I have these things that I use whenever I make a, a matrix to use as a printmaking surface mm-hmm. like how can these things fit together mm-hmm. and it's yeah the, the 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 process totally informs the product I also use a process that's uh uses um uh I, I make these large printouts with uh, like a xerox printer like old school xerox printers with toner and oh, then I'll cool. actually I'll actually tear those up to get fragments that give you, give you a, a sense of perspective and a sense of this object, but it's actually you know taken taken apart from this thing that I've created, this fragment of my my own documentation, and then I use it as a fragment to to put onto mm. the image that I'm working on. So yeah, and I really like that how how he puts it where or the discussion about you know this is something from a whole and how we, we try to reconstruct it through our experiences or through our memory or our imagination. Like, this is what it could have been, and this is what it actually was, and our, you know, how, how, our, how our brain kind of makes those connections. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. And filters and, you know, picks up on things, and it's yeah. all, everybody will come away with something else, you know? Right. Based on their own fragments of memories. And, right, right. And things, yeah. Like one of the one of the most profound experiences that I've ever had uh, was I had the chance to uh, visit the Carrara marble mines in Italy with a friend one time, and it was one of the most just mind blowing, putting scale up on its head mm-hmm. experiences. Like, how tiny am I? Yeah, I I kind of think about like if I were looking to use a an image of that how to how to convey the emotion of that through mm-hmm. i don't know like a print or a a reconfiguration of that image because it's like what do i do to manipulate to manipulate it or to uh draw things out of it that allow the scale of the actual piece not to confine the emotional response that was there in person right or something like that, like those kind of questions. How, how, how do you get that on a, you know, like an 11 by 14 image? Right. And I, I, I try to play with gravity, re- reorient the image, mm. kind of put things inverted or kind of try to play with the sense of balance a little bit. But yeah, that is a challenge that, you know, how, how do you create that, okay. that the same experience? And I think you kind of can't. You just have right. to rely on someone's, 
you know, intuitive nature of trying to place that in their memories or kind of rely on their experiences. Well, right. I, yeah. Sadly, Kevin and I have known each other way too long, and I've heard that story several <laughs> several times. Yeah. Uh, and I've seen some of your photographs, and intellectually, I completely understand, but there's still a, a visceral part of me that, because I haven't had that experience, I don't understand. Like right. I can understand as much as I can. But until it's able to make that shift into either me being there or some kind of artistic interpretation, you know, you got to be able to cross that plateau somehow. I, right. It's you know. like uh, like the work of Robert, Robert Irwin. Oh, yeah. He absolutely didn't want, he wanted you to experience it. If, yeah. Um, if I, you weren't there, then you weren't there. Yeah. I, I thought your work at the gallery, there, there was a gravity to it. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. It, it was. For sure. Good. I think yeah. it, Glad it you was. Guys are getting that. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. they they have a much larger presence on the wall. S- some some of them are, are smaller pieces, but but no, they they do have a, a adequate. Uh, or they they do have a, a substantial gra- gravity cool. to the imagery. Cool. Yeah. I'm glad you all both are getting that. That's, yeah. That, yeah. That, I mean, that, that that's the goal. Like, how can I make these things that are pretty modest? How can I make them have you know like a like this world or environment within themselves mm-hmm. that kind of draw you in and keep you focused and you know, have that sense of weight to it. That presence takes Word you somewhere. Presence yeah. 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 Like how do they, <laughs> I was just thinking of like, how does a work occupy a room? And mm-hmm. then I was thinking, well, how does a, how does a room occupy a work? There's, there's one of my favorite lines of inquiry of, of just Irwin's career is starts with making an object. And it's like, okay, what is that? What contains that object? Then it's, how do I light that object? Then it's what room is that object in? Then what's the space of that? Thing? And it just like it gets gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But it all starts with this. Yeah. You know. Have you read that book? Uh, Seeing is forgetting yes. the name. Yeah. The thing once I love like it. one of the best titles ever. But yeah, like breaking that that early part of his career down where he's in a yeah. room for like ten hours a day, like painting oh, a line yeah, back a j- and forth. Right. Yeah, just, just one like, line. Yeah, yeah, just like one line, and how it, how it, you know, and like spending like entire a week in that gallery space, repainting the wall, yeah, repainting the wall just yeah. to get it perfect, you know, <laughs> so, yeah, just that that kind that line of inquiry. I, I love I love Robert Irwin and how he thinks about and the perfect Coke. I mean, I've oh, I never, know, yeah. Every time, I've I, never, every time I get a Coke, I, I think about that. Yeah, like, I've oh, never that's... heard anybody describe or just get more excited about getting a Coke. Yeah. Then Robert Irwin, it has everything to do with the car ride over, Yeah, you know, is the window down, what am I listening to, it's got to be in a foam cup, the specific kind of ice, it's, un- it's unbelievable. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I always think about that, every time I go to the drink machine, it's like, oh, it's Robert Irwin. Yeah. Like, th- th- does this, is this up to code, I don't know. <laughs> well, and that, that's, a, that's the whole thing of, ops- of like, uh, the mindset of being in a foreign country, mm-hmm. you know, of be of observation to the most mundane thing of getting a coca-cola yeah for sure well thank you so much seth yeah Yeah, this has been been awesome thanks guys really great good conversation and yeah it's been a lot of fun thanks for having me on absolutely for more information on seth and his work visit his website at seth dalton that's dalton with a u dot com or his instagram at Surf Waco. A special thanks to our guest Seth, to our interviewers extraordinaire Joe Rivers and Kevin Barden, 
And to everyone out there who has enjoyed the first half of Season 2 of Spork in the Road, stay tuned for more episodes coming in the spring. This episode was written, produced, edited, and narrated in music by Scott Barton. For more information on Rivers Barton Architects, head over to riversbarton.com.